The Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 153. Apple talking to Verizon, the Mini Pre gets a name, and how to get rid of those pesky slog dumps. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Kappas. And first today, thanks to our sponsor, Netflix. Help support the Cell Phone Junkie by signing up for a two-week free trial of Netflix. Plans starting at $4.99 per month. Over 100,000 titles to choose from. Keep each movie as long as you want. No late fees ever. Free shipping both ways and free delivery in about one business day. You can cancel any time. And as a bonus to your DVDs, watch some of the content over the internet for no extra charge. We uh, appreciate your support uh, by signing up for the free trial. Check it out over at thecellphonejunkie.com. Well, we've got our winners of the OtterBox Impact Series case uh, photos that were submitted over the past week. We had uh, solicited last week for you to send in your photos of you listening to the Cell Phone Junkie on either your iPhone 3G or your BlackBerry Curve, and we selected two people randomly to uh, to win these. So the, the winner of the iPhone uh, 3G case is David Herbertson. So David, congratulations. And uh, the Impact Series case for the BlackBerry Curve is Mighty Matt 24. I don't know the exact name uh, that you've got there, Matt, uh, but if you both could send me your information via email. I will get these uh, cases out to you this week. Thanks very much to Otterbox for their support of the Cell Phone Junkie by submitting these cases to us for review and for allowing us to give them away on the show. Nothing to give away this week, uh, but we will hopefully in the next few weeks have some things that we can get out to you. Well, Joey and I recorded the Cell Phone Junkie Unlocked show number 20 this week. We had a great time talking with the winner of the biggest Cell Phone Junkie contest. That was Nate, and he joined us for the show, asked us a lot of questions. It was a great time uh, to talk with him about everything cell phone related and just had a lot of fun. So if you haven't had a chance to get that one, uh, head over to the Cell Phone Junkie and click on the link for the Cell Phone Junkie Unlocked, which is on the right side of the screen. In the news this week, first off, Qualcomm and Broadcom announced that Qualcomm will pay Broadcom $891 million to settle the ongoing patent disputes over a number of different wireless technologies. Uh, The sum, which will be paid in installments over the next four years, settles all the litigation between the two companies, and both companies have also agreed to license portions of the patent portfolios to one another as part of the settlement. This marks the end of the lawsuits between the two companies over the wireless patent issues that they've been going through. Joey, this is great news for both companies. I know, you know, this is something that's been going on for a couple of years here, and I I know especially Qualcomm is going to be really excited to see this one come to an end. Yeah, it's it. You know what? It burdens. It's such a burden. It's got to be a burden on these two companies. And you know, we as end users rely on these uh, two companies for a lot of the technology we use in the wireless arena, including Wi-Fi and cell phones and and mobile computers. And um, they they produce a lot of processors for a lot of you know gadgets. So it it'll be just good to you know stop feeding the lawyers their money and get these things you know settled and, and get them back to get 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 back to work yeah that's exactly it just let them get back to doing what they do best and uh, so this is finally done 891 million dollars it's a big chunk but i know qualcomm especially is excited to see this one come to an end uh, well, Motorola posted some pretty poor numbers for their first quarter this past week, $291 million in losses. Mobile sales fell 45% uh, out of this. The $5.4 billion in, uh, in, in their projected sales figures, $1.8 billion, 
were in the handset division. So uh, real bad news for Motorola. It was uh, not real good uh, to hear from them. I, I really think for Motorola's sake, they need to take a look at what they're going to be coming through with uh, in new products over the next couple of years because uh, that's really going to help them uh, or hurt them depending on what they decide to do. So some uh, some unfortunate news on the Motorola side. JD Power and Associates said that the iPhone is tops on the smartphone ratings list. Apple ranked highest among smartphone manufacturers with a score of 791, performing particularly well in ease of operation, operating system, features, and physical design. Uh, following the uh, Following Apple were LG and Samsung. Uh, the other interesting findings were that the average user of a smartphone sends 17 emails per day, and 82% report that they use things like the address book and to-do lists to stay better organized. So some pretty interesting news there. Not re- a real big surprise. Of course, the iPhone is a very popular handset, and a lot of people have picked it up over the last two years, and uh, most of them have been happy with it. So uh, interesting to hear, though, that, uh, that they came ahead of uh, LG and Samsung. Well, Google and others uh, that are using the Android uh, operating system have been slapped with a trademark lawsuit. Uh, Apparently, the owner of the trademark for the Android Data Corporation, uh, granted back in October of 2002, uh, apparently uh, gave them the use of the ability to use the name Android. Uh, But now he's saying that uh, they are infringing on the name Android. Uh, Google has come around and said that they filed for a trademark application for Android five years uh, after they were given the use of the name, which was back in 2002. Uh, but uh, this this group is saying that that is not the case. So the Android Data Corporation, uh, a little bit upset that people are using that name for the operating system, and they're looking to cash in a little bit on it. So we'll be able to uh, hopefully keep an eye on this one and see what happens uh, over the next few yeah, months. It, I mean, if, if Google's, you know, it, when they do their trademark search, um, when you have the layers do that, I mean, it clearly comes up that there's a, a you know a company that's somewhat re- you know related, and if they were denied their their trademark application, uh, you know they're they're denying it for a good reason, and you know you can't I, I don't know why they why they would proceed forward um, with all the you know marketing and all the money they've spent on the Android operating system name uh, when they could not trademark it. Uh, that's really bizarre. Um, if you ask me, you know personally, I, I would never do that because. Obviously, if something like this happens, you will uh, possibly get a cease and desist from the actual owner of, you know, the, the, the company that's closest to your product. Um, and it's, it doesn't make much sense to me, but, you know, they probably think that since they're the, you know, the big guys in town, they can just plow right over. And uh, I hope the, I actually hope the owner uh, uh, of the trade, the original trademark is able to uh, successfully uphold his trademark. Well, my guess is that based on what they've done over the past year, that Google is not really going to allow or anyone else is going to allow the name to go away. I'm guessing it'll be a settlement and they'll get paid. um, The Android Data Corp will get paid a a significant sum of money to allow for the use of the name. But depends on how much how long uh, they can stay in the in the fight. I mean, there's a lot that goes into this as far as attorney's fees and whatnot. And I I can imagine that over time they could get worn down by that and, and lose money. But if they stick with it long enough, um, if they are in the right, they're going to be getting a nice settlement for this. So, uh, but yeah, I, I agree with Joey on this one that I think it's, uh, you know, let's, you know, stand up for the little guys here, especially if they've got the trademark and, uh, we'll see what happens with that. Like I said, you know, nothing, nothing has successfully, uh, happened yet. They're just, you know, the, the beginning stages of it, uh, with a lawsuit over the trademark infringement. 
Well, the USA Today had revived some rumors this week that led to a number of other rumors that Apple is considering bringing the iPhone over to the Verizon network as early as next year, 2010. According to, quote, people familiar with the matter, high-level discussions were initiated between Apple and Verizon a few months ago and have been continuing. AT&T is, of course, the exclusive carrier for the iPhone here in the U.S., and uh, they're saying that that exclusivity ends in 2010. We talked about it last week, how AT&T is working to extend that into 2011. Uh, but at this point, uh, nothing uh, has been finalized with that, at least nothing that we know has been finalized with it. Uh, of course, the USA Today is speculating on this one. But then it uh, really kind of pushed things forward. And now the New York Times next said that Apple is conducting high-level discussions with uh, Verizon Wireless, the phone again available early as early as next year. However, there was no clarification on whether it would be a CDMA or LTE model, though sources are saying that a CDMA version has not been ruled out. So uh, some interesting information there from the New York Times. Uh, and then additionally, there's more talk from even the Wall Street Journal about essentially the same you know, topic. These are all rumors at this point. I think that's, you know, everyone is really getting kind of worked up about this because what is happening is people are looking to these, you know, high level, you know, very, very reputable media sources and they're getting their information from who knows where. Granted, they usually don't publish stuff like this, but uh, unless they know that it's true. But these, I'm sure they've been talking to Verizon, but what does that mean? You know, this is just getting everybody worked up maybe for nothing. Well, yeah, maybe, maybe not. I, you know, I, I was real skeptical of this at first of of them doing Verizon. Um, first of all, because they said, you know, Apple said we won't do CDMA, and you know, as we talked about, you know, what last week, Mickey, and I think it was the Unlock Show. You know, they're not going. To, you can't have an LTE phone on Verizon without CDMA because there's just not going to be LTE in enough areas. But if I if if I take a step back and think about this from the Apple perspective, is you know who makes the iPhone, AT and T is three G coverage is not that strong. I mean, it, it, around the country, it's not that good. Think of how much more EVDO services out there, and then and then take it one step further. Verizon's going to be jumping the gun here with LTE by a lot of years over AT and T. And their exclusivity is, you know, done within a year here. Think of how much more data you can push out to your iPhones on Verizon than you can on AT&T and probably have a lot happier customers as well because obviously, you know, the customer service isn't as highly rated as Verizon. And then, of course, the nationwide coverage just in general, even Mm -hmm. just with, you know, just making phone calls. So if I was Apple, I would be much more interested in having my product on Verizon's network. I, I would agree. I mean, I, you know, as I thought about this, too, I was pretty skeptical of it. And I said, oh, it's just another one of these. But then, you know, as the the three big sources started talking about it, I said, you know, may, maybe there's more to it than just this. And, and maybe they look to 2010 as the year, you know, we'll, we'll, I'm guessing we're going to see something. It's May now. I'm guessing we're going to see something out next month from Apple, the next version of it, when they roll out the new version of the software, the, the 3.0, they're going to hopefully show some new hardware to us. If nothing else, a 32 gig model of the exact same thing. But we've talked about that before and what we think we're going to see. But what about next summer? What are we going to see next summer? If we've created this annual event that we are coming to a point here now within the next 12 months, we should start to see the new LTE networks at least get implemented. And whether or not they feel that 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 is the time to incorporate the technology into a handset may or may not be the case. My thought is no. But 
too early. I think that would be too early. Yeah. Because I don't know if that would... that. Okay, imagine building, you know, millions and millions of iPhones for how many customers could possibly even receive LTE at that point. Just, it would be so few. I mean, you'd probably be a few million LTE customers of, uh, you know, total possible. Yeah. I mean, you'd probably only have a couple of thousand LTE subscribers and they'd be building millions of uh, of handsets capable of LTE on a technology that's fairly new. It's probably not, you know, batter, super battery efficient yet because it is so new. Um, I, it, to me, not yet. That's still too early, but I, I just don't know. I mean, because it wouldn't make sense for the economy of scale that Apple would be looking for for the profitability for the device. Well, hence my skepticism. We're At this point next year, we're not going to see... A, a, a robust LTE network that's going to be, like Joey says, capable of supporting millions and millions of handsets that get rolled out. So if this is in fact true, I think it's got to be a CDMA device. And if that is in fact the case, they can easily do what they've done with, with the Blackberries and, and some of the Windows mobile devices out there with making these world edition devices, giving uh, whoever the capability of taking their device to any corner of the globe that they want. They can use it on the CDMA side here. My, my, my examples are endless of the times where I've just been consistently disappointed with AT&T. I'm, uh, I've got family that lives 30 miles away from me here. It's still within Metro Phoenix. It's in a town called Surprise. Those that are familiar with the Phoenix metro area know where Surprise. It's kind of on the outskirts, but it's still, you know, a relative, it's part of the city. And I go out there to visit family, and I've got no AT&T service. I mean, like, n- none. D- zero. It's no service, blinking. I, if I need anything, I need to go on the Wi-Fi network to get data. Um, Verizon, you know, three to four bar- bars all over. EVDO coverage, perfect. I, and, and this is just one example. I know I'm, you know, one little person, one corner of the universe here uh, that is, you know, talking about this. But I, there's so many different you know, examples that show this. And so my point is that I, I don't think it's going to be LTE. I think it's going to be CDMA if it's true. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I don't have a real good read on this. Obviously I'm going off of, you know, what a couple of newspapers have said. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, and, and I could be totally wrong too. I mean, maybe the, the chipset for the LTE, maybe it'll be cheap enough to just build in every single one of those devices to really tout the device as being a 4g device and i mean the 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 video streaming you could potentially do if you're in an lte area would just be amazing but i mean i would have a feeling that would be the next year out Mm -hmm. you know the next model but but i don't know i just don't know yeah it's i i i think all these rumors are just that they're just rumors at this point and Maybe we'll get some more clarification here in the next few months, but my thought is we're going to just continue to, as people really want something like this to happen, they, you know, they envision it. They say, we want the iPhone on Verizon, so we'll talk about it and maybe it'll happen. Uh, that could be as well. But, you know, I guess I don't see, uh, you know, to kind of go back to AT&T here, you know, if the exclusivity expires, I don't, I, I, I'm sure that uh, uh, Apple will still sell iPhones to AT&T. So even if Verizon does pick up the iPhone, I think we'll see it on both carriers, not just one. Right. So you won't have to, um, you know, it won't be this thing where, well, now now that you, if you continue to want uh, to use an iPhone, you're going to have to cancel your AT&T service and go to Verizon. I think you'll still be able to get them on AT&T. Well, yeah, I, I think there's, for the purposes of being able to use the phone anywhere in the world on GSM and HSDPA networks or HSPA networks, they're going to continue to do what they do in, in the build of the phone. And so it's 
pretty much going to always work if you think about it on AT&T's network. Uh, and, and once we get to this convergence of LTE, then we're going to we're opening up this completely new ball game really it, when it comes to taking a phone, unlocking it and using it with whatever carrier that you want. And oh by the way, how about all this stuff about you know, fair use of these devices and not having them locked. When are we ever going to see that? You know, when, <laughs> when is a Verizon or an AT&T going to sell a phone that's unlocked? I mean, we, we talked about it two years ago, Joey, and it's still, it, nothing's changed. So, you know, we, uh, we'll continue to talk about it, but it was an interesting topic. We wanted to throw it out. We've got a question later on, and I think we've, uh, we've answered it, uh, but we can come back to it here when we get to that point. More news on Verizon. They added 1.3 million wireless subscriptions in the first quarter of the year. 300,000 uh, Fios subscribers, too. So if you're interested in the overall workings of Verizon, uh, earnings were strong. Their cash flow came in at $6.4 billion, up 20% year over the year. Uh, so uh, 1.3 million subscribers. That is excluding the Alltel acquisition. So that's even better than AT&T, which had about 1.2 million subscribers in additions into the first quarter of 2001. Also in Verizon news, uh, this uh, today actually, the 3rd of May, Verizon launched a new roaming in Mexico plan. This is Nationwide Plus Mexico is what they're calling it. For $15 a month, you get free long distance and roaming in Mexico with night and weekend minutes included. Uh, the only caveat is that you have to use at least 50% of your minutes in the U.S., and it also doesn't apply to mobile-to-mobile minutes. But if you're someone who uh, travels frequently down to Mexico or spends a lot of time uh, talking to people that are in Mexico, you definitely want to check this one out. Uh, Some pretty decent rates here. Basically adding $15 a month to your plan. So for a minimum of $55 a month, you get 450 minutes, and uh, you can do whatever you want down in Mexico. I wonder how that applies with the uh, World Phone slash CDMA phones, because I know there's actually quite a bit of CDMA coverage in Mexico. Yes, um, for for Verizon phones, but I, I I don't exactly know which areas, but I do know there's actually quite a bit of CDMA coverage that uh, Verizon does um, handle there because I I've had people uh, actually travel to some pretty pretty uh, remote areas of uh, Mexico and and have CDMA service. Well, and and that's the thing is there's you know there are pretty remote areas of Mexico. I mean, you've got the major cities that you know the tourist spots that a lot of people head down to, but then you've got the major metro areas like Mexico City, and um, you know they they do have CDMA coverage there. So, but you know overall, I've I've traveled into Mexico before with a Verizon device and have had service, you know, no problems. In fact, I've had eVideo data while traveling, so it uh, it seems to work pretty well. And, you know, adding this on with the exception, like I said, of mobile to mobile, which you still have mobile to mobile, but it's for the U.S. only. So you're you're only able to use uh, that service when you're here in uh, the U.S. But, uh, you know, you can use your phone uh, with no roaming or long distance charges down into Mexico. So uh, a pretty good deal if you're interested in that. Uh, I actually uh, got this information out uh, via a source that I have with Verizon yesterday, or actually it was two days ago. It was on the first. So uh, I was kind of excited to see this and I was happy that I could get it out early. So I got that out on Twitter. So if you're interested in finding out what's happening with us, you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash TCPJ underscore Mickey or TCPJ underscore Joey. Well, Sprint's overage relief minutes plans are something that you may not have ever heard about, but if you're tired of paying for the overages that when you go over the minutes on your plan, this is a little known tip to help you from avoiding these overage charges. Well, here's the deal. You can call up and ask Sprint if you have gone over on your minutes to purchase uh, in these buckets of minutes. And Joey was actually able to use this this week. I, it was very timely for you as this was something that just kind of popped up. You went over on your minutes. How does this work? 
Well, it's uh, it's fairly simple once you know what you need to do. Uh, the, the major key here is that you it, it, it has to be done before your billing cycle ends. So if, um, you know, for example, I was over my minutes by uh, n- not a heck of a lot. Um, another phone on my account was over um, their minutes by, a, by 80 or 90 minutes. And I think theirs are 35 cents over mine or 40 cents uh, per minute over. Um, I was over my minutes as well, so I actually had to buy two buckets. But anyway, they were they were about 90 minutes over uh, within the 100-minute block, which is the first one you can buy. Um, and the, the, the uh, account didn't renew until today, so I, I purchased these on Friday. And basically, uh, you get 100 minutes for $5. So as long as you contact Sprint, say you want to buy these minutes before your, your plan, uh, before your minutes renew... Five dollars for hundred minutes, which of course is uh, dramatically cheaper uh, for for those. For it's five minutes. cents a minute, is what it is. Yeah, uh, that's uh, <laughs> much cheaper. So from there, you can go up to a two hundred minute for ten bucks, three hundred for fifteen, four hundred for twenty, five hundred for twenty five. You can't you can't do two five hundred. So let's say if you went over a thousand, but you could purchase. A 500, a 400, a 300, and a 200. You can, you can <laughs> buy as many of us. Uh, you, you can go down the line and buy each one, but you, I guess you can't buy two 500 minutes for your, uh, for your, um, for your plan. So um, I, I, I did it. Um, I did not call Star 2. Uh, I actually did a, a, a web chat. I kind of like that process better because I don't have to sit on hold and I can, um, uh, you know, you've got the chat log. Um, that you get emailed. So I, I don't know. I kind of like using that a little better, even though I've had a couple of incidents that reps didn't do what they were supposed to. But anyway, uh, I, I just like that doing that better and it seemed to work good. So, yeah. So as, uh, as Joey says, all you have to do is just contact them and say, you want to get some overage relief minutes and they will, uh, basically work with you. And, uh, for five bucks for a hundred minutes at different, uh, these, these five different levels, you can take care of it. Yeah, I mean, basically, what it did was, you know, just using ninety minutes over the plan. It basically, you know, the the normal plan is about thirty five dollars a month on that phone. The overage minutes would have been over thirty five dollars of just the extra minutes. So double the double the plan for only five dollars. You know, it, it, it's great. It's an awesome. It's an awesome deal. It's almost like reverse rollover when you think about it. It's like you don't have to bank the minutes. You just buy them as you get them. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but of course you have to you have to sit there and babysit it though and watch the watch the the plan. I guess you know I, what I should probably do is set a little reminder on the uh, uh, on my calendar to pop up towards the end of my billing mm-hmm. cycle and say, hey, check the minutes, see if yeah. you're over. Yeah, and and then you can yeah. So that's the that's the key though is is before the billing cycle closes. That's when you have to buy them. So keep that in mind. This is not something where you get your bill and you go, oh, hey, oh, I need to fix this. No, you got to do it before that. So anyway, but I got a great link for you here. It's from insidesprintnow.wordpress.com. So check that one out if you want to read more about that. Well, Sprint affiliate IPCS has been granted another victory in its lawsuit against Sprint Nextel. IPCS had sued Sprint because it believed the partnership Sprint had with WiMAX provider Clearwire violates an agreement that Sprint has with affiliates. IPCS is hoping to block Sprint from receiving any benefits from the partnership in areas where IPCS resells Sprint services unless these benefits are shared with affiliates. An Illinois judge is permitting the lawsuit to move forward as Sprint had hoped to have the lawsuit dismissed at this point. 
On to some T-Mobile news here. T-Mobile charging for canceled services and refuses to issue a refund. Uh, Taylor noticed that on his T-Mobile account, he had been being billed $20 for a data package that he had asked them to cancel seven months ago. Taylor caught the mistake and uh, asked T-Mobile to uh, refund him the $140 in unauthorized charges. And T-Mobile's citing policy said that they would only credit him for the past three months. So he went and... uh, uh, wrote to the consumerist and basically put put in his case and said look here's here's the deal i you know i this is what happened to me i didn't notice that i probably should have i don't know how you end up paying an extra 20 bucks a month without noticing it but you know whatever and uh he he basically said you know this is this is all we they could do for him was give him the 60 dollars and uh, that was it. And so he said he was going to cancel his service and, and whatever. So uh, just be careful when you're, when you're doing these things. Kind of goes back to the, the story about things that you know, maybe reps don't do that you ask them to do. Make sure you're verifying things because otherwise you could get stuck like Taylor did. Yeah, you do have to check your bill. You really do. And of course, you, know, you may call them every single month and they may not take it off. But I, I guess it's kind of what you have to do. Also, um, you know, I had a similar story to this with Verizon. Um, I added a what is it the, what what does verizon call it now it's a long distance plan you can you can for it's like four dollars a month you get this verizon um long distance plan that makes long distance calls from you know if you're making a long distance call from the u.s to other countries uh dramatically cheaper the minutes go down from like 70 cents a minute to call you know somewhere in europe for example down to like four or five or six cents a minute just a huge savings for only four bucks a month. I mean, this, uh, it, it, it's amazing. Anyway, um, did not check the bill extremely closely on these minutes and they were billing the full rate on those, on, on all these calls, um, long distance calls, international long distance, uh, calls. And it amounted to $1,500 in overage uh, that they shouldn't have been charging over a course of like four or five months. And, um, when I was talking to the rep about it, they were very, um, uh, they were kind of confused at first, but, you know, quickly saw that it was an error. And, you know, luckily the, you know, the statements verify this because you can see the long distance plan listed uh, as a, as a charge on the account, but then you can easily divide out, you know, the, the, the minutes versus the, the cost of the call and discover that you know it's way over what the uh, the rate should be um after about the, about three or four days they finally actually they had to go through and manually fix it all but they did uh you know credit the account um with basically just me calling up saying uh it looks like there's a problem here so um you do have to you do have to watch these things yeah just keep an eye on your bills especially when you get into some you know where you've got additional charges and you just have you know you may have no idea what they're for just take some time to look through them look through your bill try and figure it out and uh, make sure that you're getting uh billed appropriately another piece of t-mobile news they've reinstated the 18 dollars handset upgrade fee so if you upgrade your handset, they'll charge you the $18 fee again. So that's uh, something that they had and then they got rid of, uh, and now they've uh, put it back in place. So keep that in mind if you're trying to do any upgrades with T-Mobile. 
Well, two new devices from Apple start off our devices section here this week. Uh, looks like we could be seeing, in addition to some partnerships with Verizon, if those do happen, one device that would be smaller and a less, less expensive, uh, a calling-style device, so basically an iPhone Lite, uh, the other one being a media pad that would allow users to simply listen to music, watch uh, videos, or view their photos. It would also be able to play, uh, place calls over a Wi-Fi connection but would not have a phone radio in it. So a couple of rumors there on the Apple side. Also, uh, Apple looking to possibly make a, uh, make a jump into something between their laptop devices and their iPhone devices. And uh, a story from CNET talking about, you know, is Apple ready to make that jump to either a tablet-style device or maybe a netbook or whatever it is. But uh, some interesting, you know, rumors this week as we continue to, uh, to figure out what's going to happen here at WWDC in June and what they're going to do. Obviously, Apple has talked about in the past that they have not had any interest in creating a, quote, junkie style netbook like we've what, what they see with the other manufacturers in the market creating uh, devices such as HP or Dell or whoever. But uh, I don't know. They also said that about the phone. They said they'd never want to make a phone and look what happened. So I don't know. I, I don't buy it. It's it, it is a tough one. You know, the, the MacBook Air, it's a it's it is a nice lightweight, you know, uh, computer. But the you know, the, the issue is is probably really boiling down to price and size to some extent. It's a 13 inch screen that is uh, on the large size now for for the netbook market. Um, everybody's realized, you know, over the past, you know, what, four years the the laptops have become desktop replacements where there's huge screens you know people have 17 inch screens 15 on up uh laptop displays and realize that you know what we don't need that much size to bring with us when we actually just want to just do some you know web browsing um and you know things like you know the dell minis and the, the asus and the msi wins they're much much smaller computers now and they do everything you basically need while you're kind of out roaming and obviously where the the biggest point is is the price you can ha- you can get these for under four hundred dollars you know very well equipped and look at the macbook air what are we at fifteen hundred fifteen eighteen hundred yeah yeah ouch yeah you can you're leaving a lot on the table i mean they could they could come in with a six seven hundred dollar that meets you know the apple standard you know the apple premium you know a much better uh system but still make some money on it. And I think that's probably what they're realizing that they're just, they're, they're, you know, you can, you can only charge so much for a premium product. Mm-hmm. Well, and when you look at the, the high end laptops that they have, you know, the MacBook is really, I think what they were, were betting on that they could be able to have as, you know, their, their product that was going to be, you know, that, well, that in the MacBook Air, uh, because obviously the Air is, is small or light enough where it kind of competes with that weight size, but the size is still too big. You can't, I mean, you look at these, I mean, you know, like the, this Dell Mini, it's, it's so tiny. I mean, you can take this thing and if you've got cargo pants that you could throw it in a pocket if you wanted, you can't do that with the MacBook Air. No, you can't. And I think what's probably happened for Apple is that they're, you know, they 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 anticipated the eight hundred dollar MacBook, uh, the old style plastic one. Yeah. They probably anticipated that would be a much bigger seller than it was because, uh, you know, when you when you develop these strategies, you know, what two years ago, year and a half ago, the uh, this this netbook market just exploded last year. You know, late last year, and it's just you know, for, you know, first half of this year, it's just 
it, it's 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 gone berserk. You know, the the people buying these three hundred dollar laptops are just you know netbooks are it's just exploding. So they're probably having to regroup, you know, rehuddle here and and kind of change their strategy a little bit faster than they anticipated because it you know it, two years ago an eight hundred dollar MacBook would have sold a lot more than what yeah. it is right now. Yep. And of course the economy, then throw that in the mix. And <laughs> people are looking for something cheap and, uh, you know, the, you know, when you can get a netbook for 300 bucks and you can outfit your entire family for, with $300 notebooks, it, it really makes a difference. Um, you know, Joey and I have got some experience with the netbooks and, and we, you know, it, they're nice to use. They're definitely not laptop replacements for someone who does a lot of heavy computing. Uh, keep that in mind. These are, these are, these are net connected devices, web browsing, email, that kind of stuff. Um, there's a lot of naysayers out there about them that talk about them negatively because of the size, because they are small. Uh, it is a compromise. Uh, you know what you're break, bringing down the, the, the keypad size. So, uh, but a lot of people really like them and they're really enjoying them for the portability aspect of it. And quite honestly, it's one of those things you get one and you lose it and you go, Okay, I'm out, you know, a couple hundred bucks versus I'm out two grand when you're buying a netbook or a a MacBook. So there there are certain aspects of it that uh, you know on the economic side too that that of course make them good. But anyway, we'll see what we'll see what Apple does. I mean, they're they're obviously going to need to do something to get in there between their 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 laptops and their their phones. But uh, we don't know what it is yet. But I'm sure we'll find out soon. Well, Verizon had also had some rumors this week of a Microsoft manufactured phone that would be coming to their network. The The code name for it was the Pink. Microsoft, however, made clear this week in a business uh, meeting regarding the mobile devices, spokes, spokesperson John Starkweather said that Microsoft is not going into the phone hardware business. They are not building a Zune-specific phone. They are deepening the relationships with their hardware partners in order to create an even better performing phone uh, that are competitively priced and have the features people want with easy to use and downright lust worthy features. So that I think says it all that Microsoft is not looking to make any moves into the hardware uh, phone market. Well, it's too late for uh, my opinion. It's frankly way too late because uh, if Microsoft got into making hardware for phones and uh, what do you think any of the, 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 any and all of the companies who license Windows Mobile from them would think about that because then you've got a direct competitor. Yeah. They're not going to like it. And they're, you know, you know I, don't, I don't, you know, maybe I'm stepping over. It already seems like the kind of weak uh, Windows Mobile licensing market with the Android out. I mean, that's their business would dry up immediately of Windows Mobile and Microsoft would be the only provider of Windows Mobile basically. And it, it's not a way to do business because you're competing with yourself uh, again, because you're competing, you, yourself is competing with your Windows Mobile and your hardware and other manufacturers that you're licensing. It's what a mess. Yeah. It's just, it just doesn't make any sense. And, you know, and that's why, you know, Apple is successful with the iPhone because it is just Apple. It is just their OS. They're the only ones who have it. They use the, you know, there's no confusion with the hardware and it, you know, sometimes these things do make sense, you know, the way Apple does it. Mm -hmm. You know, this is, again, this was came, you know, as a response to a rumor that they were, uh, that, that Microsoft and Verizon are working together on this pink device and, uh, they are, they are, you know, denying it. So I, I, I gotta, I gotta agree that this is, you know, that's gotta be what they're doing. Six, five is going to be a, a, a software that they're going to use to strengthen the relationships that they have with their, their OEM partners. And, and I, and I truly believe that. 
Yeah, and you know, even if they, I, I bet Microsoft is looking at building phone. Like they probably have you know groups or teams evaluating it and coming up with designs and, and thinking about it. But that's probably all it is. It's just you know behind the scenes, just checking out the options, just seeing what we could possibly do. But but to actually build one, I I, I don't see it. No. I don't either, but you know they're you know they're, you know we've we're seeing all these new devices that uh, that are coming out there. The you know obviously the the iPhones have been successful. Uh, the pre, the pre which is going to be coming out here in the next couple of months, that we're going to get to in just a second. Uh, and of course, Blackberries, and they're saying, okay, well, all of these manufacturers are basically writing their own software and having their own devices. We're kind of the the oddball out here, so it makes it makes sense. But but yeah, they're going to con- want to continue on with their partners. Um, if they would have thought that this would have been a good idea, why haven't they done it with the laptop or desktop market up until now? You don't find Microsoft computers. They just, they're not a hardware company when it comes to those types of, of devices. And so I don't think it's going to happen, but, uh, you know, so anyway, just trying to squash that rumor and try and get it out of people's minds as we move forward here. Well, the WebOS uh, operating system is going to be coming to the Palm Pre. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But uh, we saw some some photos and rumors earlier this week about a new Pre Mini is what we people were calling it when it first came out. Uh, and then Palm uh, stated later this week that it's actually going to be called the Palm EOS. Is spelled EOS, uh, possibly headed to AT&T or uh, Sprint is the other rumored place that they're looking to bring that to. Uh, the specs on it look actually pretty decent if you're looking for a, uh, a front-facing QWERTY keyboard. This is not a slider-type keyboard, uh, but an actual QWERTY keyboard. Very, very much looks like the form factor of the Centro when, when you see the renderings of this thing. I mean, it is, it's kind of like Centro meets iPhone, if I'm thinking about this, because it's got, it's got very, very rounded styling on it, just a couple of buttons on the sides. Um, and then it's got obviously a, a full keypad at the bottom. Some of the other specs include a quad band GSM and edge radio with uh, US HSDPA, a 2.63 inch 320 by 400 uh, capacitive display, which is consistent with the display that's used by the Palm Pre, four gigabytes of storage, looking at a price point of $350, a two megapixel fixed focus camera, so a little bit cheaper camera in there, connected, of course, with Bluetooth and uh, USB via micro USB. It's got a removable battery, 1150 milliamp hours, uh, and of course, all the rest of the features that you would expect to see from an AT&T device. Uh, this one, again, known as the Palm EOS. Uh, this looks like also there's a rumor here too that, uh, like I said, Sprint would be the another carrier that would get it. Of course, that makes sense if they're going to be getting the pre, they would be getting the what we're calling the mini or even the Centro two or whatever you want to call it. But uh, you know, th- again, all these different rumors this week just to you know kind of throw things out there and try and figure out what's going on. Well, and there was actually a there was a picture of the EOS. Um, so I, I really believe that that will be coming and, you know, it does make sense with the front facing query just as a, you know, uh, let's just call it a cheaper device. Cause they can probably, you know, tout it as that and, you know, be maybe a little more along the, the central lines, uh, to kind of maintain the popularity that they have had with that, which, uh, you know, to me, that makes sense that they, they continue that, uh, lineage of, you know, very similar device. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, I, I bet we will see on sprint as well. I think so. I think if think if they do anything, they bring it to Sprint first and then get it to AT and T. But maybe, maybe not. I don't know. They're they're trying to focus on the pre right now, so this is just kind of like derailing everybody and and their their whole marketing campaign because they're going wait wait wait. We need to you know kind of gather you guys back in here. We're still talking about the pre. 
<laughs> well, Prey's only going to be on Sprint, and I think that the, you know, a lot of people like the, the 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 possibility that it'll be coming to a GSM network. Oh, absolutely. That I mean, it's it certainly makes everyone kind of excited when you're when you're talking about a phone that can be used anywhere in the world versus a phone that's you know restricted to just uh, the CDMA networks here. Well, and and you know, of course, we'll have to we'll have to see how it pans out. But you know, as we've seen in the past, you know, Palm always does have a Sprint um, exclusive on a device, and we may see that just like we did with the Centro. Centro was only out on Sprint for the first what, six months, mm-hmm. and you know, basically right after that. Uh, but at the same time, internationally, globally, they launched the GSM Centro at the same time the Sprint was. So I have a feeling maybe we'll see that same exact thing happen where GSM International be launched at the same time Sprint is. And then, of course, right when the ex- exclusivity for the U.S. expires, then AT&T would probably pick that same device up. Yeah. Although this time with 3G, thank goodness. <laughs> no GSM only devices anymore. We just we can't have them. Um, well, how about some more uh, pre-news here? Best Buy just today is saying that they're going to be getting the pre-handsets for a, quote, trial launch. And Joey and I were trying to figure out what a trial launch means other than having a limited inventory of handsets, uh, but a June 7th date. So just over a month away from today is when we could be seeing the first pre-handsets out in the wild. Sprint will be direct shipping the lot to arrive on the 6th, about 4,500 units spread across the Best Buy mobile locations across the country. And uh, the price points of them looks like very close to what we thought they were going to be. New customers with a two-year contract would be $200. Existing customer upgrades would be $300. And an outright price of, you're not going to believe this, $1,000 for your Palm Pre. But I guess if you're interested in getting a device without signing a contract, that's what they're going to do. And uh, that just seems like an awfully large subsidy, an $800 subsidy. But if you're, or I guess, required to sign up for a certain amount of service, that they're going to they're going to recoup that back. But that just seems like an awful lot of money, Joey. I don't know. I would. I don't think I'd spend a thousand dollars on that phone. Uh, no, I certainly wouldn't. Uh, definitely not. <laughs> that is out of the question. Yeah. And making back that eight hundred dollars in subsidy, boy, that I don't even that that'll be even tough. I would think. But uh, I'm a little surprised that it's two hundred dollars. I mean, I, I I'm not, and then I am. I would kind of have expected it to been. 299 or at the bottom end 249 is what i really expected to see again probable price points these are not well i i i am not I, confirmed yes. <laughs> you know we're, we're just we're talking about all sorts of stuff that uh that that could be with the pre so uh but if you're if you're really interested in what could uh what actually looks like some some real good answers to some of the questions that we're all having if uh, just a phenomenal website uh, here in this inside sprint now dot uh, wordpress dot com website where they go through um, just a, a number of different questions that you may have about the Palm Pre operating system, such as uh, just an example: Will the WebOS work if it is not connected? Uh, and then they answer it by saying, "Contacts is an example of an application that can use data from the internet and from internal storage. In this example, Contacts can get data from a Facebook account. It retrieves the data through the internet connection." Now, what happens if there's no connection? Then the, the contacts will simply pull the data from the on-phone storage so that you can still see your contacts. And uh, just all sorts of different questions. If you're, if you're a, a, a pre-fanatic and you just want to know the answers to what's happening or what's going to happen with this, it looks like these folks that are apparently internal to Sprint uh, have been able to answer some of them without putting their jobs on the line. So uh, check this one out. Great link in the show notes here if you're a fan 
of the pre. Also, some WebOS screenshots have uh, been uh, leaked out here. Got a link to the Boy Genius report here, and it goes through a lot of the stuff that Joey and I were able to see when we were at CTIA, and so you can now see them for yourself as well. Some very nice, uh, crisp, clear screenshots here showing uh, all the different modes and different screens and settings and whatnot. So they've done a real nice job of of kind of laying everything out here and showing the user what they're going to be up against here when they finally get the phone. And it does look good, but they, mm-hmm. it looks like they really did a lot of work on this OS, and I'm I'm pretty impressed with what I've seen so far. Yeah, there's there's going to be a, a a very very big uh, interest in the device. Maybe not as big as some of the other phones, but there's there's it's something special. That's for sure. Palm has done a good job with this here, and and really I think put it, put together a home run when it comes to something that they can get out that people are going to be looking to switch over to. And if you're interested in becoming a one of the first people to get your hands on one of these devices, Palm has put out a real reviewer uh, blog uh, post. And basically what they've done here is you can go uh, into their site and you can apply to be uh, a fir- one of the reviewers of this, this pre-device. They'll send you a phone. They'll let you use it. Uh, the only real restriction is that you must be in the U.S. and at least 18 years old. I've got a link in the show notes here. It'll take you over to a Zoomerang survey which you will then fill out and answer a bunch of questions such as why you should be able to get this and what you what you could bring to the table as far as getting a review out to Palm on how the device is working for them. Well, some other news about the supply of the Palm Pre has come out that's saying that during the debut, they will only have 375,000 units in stock, according to uh, a report from Bloomberg. This information is conflicting, of course, with the number of devices that we've seen get shipped out with some of the latest phones that have been released, such as the, the Apple iPhone, which sold 1 million iPhone 3G units within the first three days of availability. So that's about a third of what they had sold. And so keep in mind that uh, this, is, this could be an issue, too, is if they are looking to make a smaller supply, this could, the phone could be in much higher demand. Uh, reasons for this, of course, talking about you know the, the global economic situation, and this could just, of course, be just a first wave of units that they're trying to get out and they want to get them circulated uh, without uh, you know as fast as possible. Uh, but uh, I uh, I feel like this is this could be a big problem if there's especially a lot of people that are looking to switch. Three hundred seventy five thousand is not going to go very far. No, it's it's not, and I I really make you have a feeling these will be in short supply. Um, for a, a bunch of reasons, because they, they know this strategy, it does work, but, you know, to, to build up the buzz, but I, I think it's going to be more so an economic reason and, you know, getting factories tooled up, building millions of these simultaneously for a launch just is not cost effective. And, you know, it, it, for, to, and, and to, to be able to prove that everybody's going to switch to sprint to get one of these things, eh, that's a little risky. Uh, it's a brand new OS. It's I, I just don't see it happening due to uh, what if there are some design defects and there something has to be remade. I, I don't know. It's too risky. It's too risky to have a, a, a flood of them out there initially. I mean, look at the iPhone. I mean, that, that was uh, in very high demand when the first generation came out um, for, I can't remember, it was at least two months, wasn't it, before that really, before you could just walk into the store and get one. It took a while, and, you know, yeah. It was quite a while. I don't remember what the exact date was, but it, this device probably will be in short supply for, you know, just like with the Nintendo Wii. It just, just this, you know, this past two months, it's become basically where you can actually go to a store and buy one now where they're actually on the shelf three years later. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's, 
and, and Nintendo always said from the beginning, well, we're not going to ramp up production. We're not going to do it because it just, it hurts our margins too much. And if I go back to that last story where they're, you know, possibly selling for $200, they're going to want to keep their margins up and they can't do that if they're building a bazillion of them at a time. Yeah. You know, another comment is that they're having problems with hardware and software issues and that that's forced them to cut back the production to, uh, to get to this point where they're only at about 375,000. So this is uh, this is interesting news, but it, it it could work well for them, especially if they're anticipating a softer launch uh, because of you know economic reasons um, or just basically you know what they figure that they're going to be able to get out there. So anyway, but uh, you know th- that's neither here nor there. It should be out here in the next two months. We're going to keep an eye on it and move forward. Well, Palm looking to revive the Folio as a WebOS notebook. Palm is reportedly poised to revive it as a WebOS device uh, as a companion device. According to an investor note from Global Equities Research, analyst uh, Trip Chowdhury had claimed to know that the design will largely be similar to the original concept, but use the WebOS to serve as a true standalone computer by using an ARM processor and a Qualcomm Gobi chipset for the 3G. Folio would remake, uh, remake would be uh, an 8 to 10 hour uh, battery life device and would have internet pretty much anywhere. And that's what's great about the Gobi chip. So, uh, you know, nice to see that they've kind of make made that change from just simply being a dumb terminal to a full on uh, device that could be essentially, you know, sitting there as a netbook with the web OS on it. No, it sounds just kind of like what the, the rumors we heard of uh, an iPhone, you know, and, and uh, whatever the, the iPhone OS on a larger screen device. So, I mean, it just parallels Makes that sense. exactly. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's been two years since the folio was unveiled and it never really came to market. And so people have been wondering what Palm was going to do. So it could be a great time for them to pop back into the netbook market. Well, the Motorola A4500, this was a device that we talked about on the Unlocked show this past week. It is also known as the Napoleon. The uh, guest that we had on, Nate, had talked about how his use of the Napoleon over the past few months had been really something special for him. He'd really enjoyed the device and everything that uh, that he had to use with it. Kind of an upgraded Q9M or Q9C, uh, including quad band roaming. So it's a world edition uh, Q9. Also has Wi-Fi and a fingerprint scanner, as well as a two megapixel camera. And of course, it also has eVideo data, stereo Bluetooth and memory card slot, voice command, and a QWERTY keyboard running Windows Mobile 6.1 Standard Edition. It has not yet been announced by Verizon or Motorola, uh, but the FCC did take a look at it this week, and so they were able to uh, provide some photos of it for us to see that it was, in fact, essentially the Napoleon. So we'll keep an eye on that one, but word on the street is that we may not see that one come out from Verizon. Well, uh, Motorola, in their their earnings call this week, talked a lot about uh, the things that the company was going to be doing moving into the future, and Windows Mobile wasn't mentioned anywhere. So, Joey, I wanted to bring this one up as just a, a general topic to talk about. And as we look to the, the different devices that are out there and what they're trying to figure out for you know a, a strategy moving forward, do you think staying away from uh, Windows Mobile is a good idea for Motorola, or do you think that they really... Does Motorola need Windows more than Windows needs Motorola, or what do you think? No, I don't think they need it. I, I you know, they've already they've already basically tapped out their devices with the Q, and then of course the the Q9Cs, uh, which are pretty decent. But you know what? There, it's it's not going to work for them. There's too much competition. Uh, I think moving to something like Android, where it's free for them to license, makes more sense, or just use their own OS. You know, they they need to take a step back. Uh, probably save money, and that's probably what's going on. Um, but I don't know. I don't think it's going to... 
I don't think it's going to affect their business that much if they don't have any Windows Mobile devices, really. No, I don't either. We just talked about, of course, the Napoleon and what that could mean for them. But that maybe that could be one of their last ones. And uh, we may just see Android as the solo S moving forward. Yeah. And, and, you know, quite possibly if that device does come out, I, you know, would, would consider using that device for some of the users. But, but eh, you know, there's a, lot el- there's a lot else out there in that same, in that same market style. Yeah, there, there's there's no need to have to stick with Windows Mobile, but it uh, could be the end of Windows Mobile for Motorola. Well, the HTC Snap Touch Pro 2 are possibly headed to Canada as World Editions. Uh, the boy genius got some inventory shots from Canada's TELUS showing the Touch Pro 2 and the Snap being launched as World Editions. So for those of you in Canada, that could be a CDMA plus GSM radio device for you to use anywhere you travel throughout the world. The BlackBerry Tour, the next uh, BlackBerry device possibly headed to Verizon, looks to be a July release at this point. The latest information uh, from BlackBerry that the Boy Genius uh, revealed was that Verizon uh, is looking to July as the month of the release. Uh, RIM's ability to, uh, to, to take a look at this device as the next version of basically the 8800 series or the, the uh, successor to the 8800 series. Uh, would obviously be very, very positive. People are talking about this device as being the next BlackBerry killer to put an end to uh, the basically <laughs> the iPhone BlackBerry debate for the Verizon network. And so we should probably see a $200 price point with an agreement on this device. Uh, touchscreen plus QWERTY keyboard. That's what's special about that one. Verizon calling the BlackBerry 8230 Pearl Flip the Apex. So once this device comes out, which looks to be in the next couple of months for Verizon, we'll, looking, we'll be looking for the name of the Apex to be slated with it. Some first photos of the BlackBerry Curve or the Gemini, uh, also known as the BlackBerry Curve 8520, got leaked out this week by CrackBerry.com. Our friends over there were able to pull some or get get one of the, their hands on one of these devices, and uh, looks pretty nice. This is a, a new Curve style device, which has got some crazy uh, different looks to it. It looks like a combination of the current Curve and uh, add on a little bit of the uh, uh, the 8900 series with it. It's got uh, currently running OS 4.6, and it's got a lot of media function buttons on it, some media player buttons on the top of it, uh, as well as uh, some other you know differences, such as instead of a, a scroll ball on the front of it, they've got some sort of optical track ball. So a very interesting look to this one, but uh, you BlackBerry fans out there are going to love this one. Looks to be uh, for AT&T, of course, uh, as uh, we would probably expect for this one to be the 8500 series. Uh, but again, who knows what's going to happen with this one as uh, these devices uh, seemingly get released all the time before there's really a whole lot of information about them. Yeah, that is uh, that is a slick-looking black red. I mean, the looks of it is great, and the get, getting rid of the trackball, that is, and that, that, that could be a very neat feature to not have that physical thing to get gummed up. Yeah, I, I think they've probably found that with, you know, a lot of people had problems with their 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 balls getting sticky <laughs> the thing is it's so easy to, to clean it and, and actually just replace know, but... that module but uh, but if you can get rid of it and just have an optical sensor that basically mimics the same the same functionality uh, that's that's an excellent step forward yeah it is and I, I i like the look of this one just what they've done with it very sleek very curved uh, looks like it's got a nice metal back on it, which is a nice departure from the plastic back of the the current curve and and whatnot. So they've, you know, they're 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 keeping with the design that works for them, but they're just enhancing it, and that's what I love about BlackBerry. Yep, and it said rubberized keyboard too, which is oh, a, yeah. which is a departure. So that, well, 
that could because aren't, aren't some of them are most of them plastic hard plastic yeah keys, the, the little plastic they're little plastic keys i mean which which works but they're you know obviously when you're looking at you know what uh you know what works best for the user maybe rubberized especially as they're getting smaller going to be easier to use and and uh you know that could 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 very well be a good thing for them um you know but you know whatever we'll we'll see what happens this one could just be a you know uh, on the cutting room floor so to speak and we, it could never get released but here's the hoping the blackberry 8500 series comes to market uh the blackberry curve 8900 making its way to at&t according to a uh, screenshot here showing an at&t logo on the back of the 8900 series uh, obviously what would be the great thing would be it would have uh, most likely would have 3g something that we could only are seeing with the bold on the at&t network right now uh, so check this one out uh, a link in the show notes here for the 8900 on at&t some nokia news the nokia n97 got some specs released this week uh, including the uh, processor in it, which is apparently a little bit uh, disappointing to some people. An ARM 11 processor having a 434 megahertz speed. Uh, this is in comparison to devices such as the Palm Pre, which is going to be around 600 megahertz, the Touch Pro 2 at 528, the BlackBerry Bold at 624, talking about a 434 megahertz processor, about a third less power than any of these other devices that are out there right now. Looking at a price tag of about $800, that could be a serious problem for the device. The Nokia N86 8 megapixel has an uh, active kickstand feature, according to a story that uh, we found here, showing screenshots of how when you open the, the kickstand on the device, it uh, pops up a, an option to choose what you want it to do. So you can uh, then pull up photos, email, web, music, whatever you want. Uh, so once you open up this little kickstand on it, you set it on a table, and you can do whatever this, uh, you know, whatever you want it to do. So it's kind of like a, a dedicated function button, kind of neat. That is neat. And I, I would love that on an airplane, you know, with, uh, you know, any media device you have where you've got a little built-in stand that'll pop out and hold the thing up because I hate holding the thing, the device to watch yeah. the video on the screen. Uh, it would be even neater is if that thing was a little bit more versatile and turn, would turn into a tripod for the camera. But that's just me. <laughs> the tripod. Yeah, actually, that's not a bad idea that, to create something like that, a tripod built into a phone, especially when you've got an 8 megapixel camera. You're probably using this camera to take all your, your pictures out there and you're out and about with people. And rather than do the arm thing where you hold the camera out and you're trying to take the picture of you and the person that you're standing with and you like get your, your right cheek and the, like the person's left ear and you're like, oh, okay, whatever. So yeah, that would be certainly something nice to nice to see. But uh, anyway, pretty innovative there in uh, creating this uh, this kickstand as an active feature on the device. Well, Cincinnati Bell gets their Nokia Express Music 5800 device for $150. It's very interesting. Cincinnati Bell seems to be getting uh, these Nokia devices well ahead of you know many of the other carriers that are out there. I think it was the E71 that we talked about that Cincinnati Bell brought uh, to their uh, customers well before AT&T were able to get their hands on it. So some bragging rights, I guess, for Cincinnati Bell and the Express Music 5800 for 150 bucks. Go pick it up there. Samsung announces the first Android phone, the i7500. The i7500 will have a 3.2-inch AMO LED touch display with a 5-megapixel camera with autofocus and LED flash, 8 gigabytes of built-in memory, 
Also has a micro SD memory card slot for additional storage up to 32 gigs. The i7500 is a quad band GSM and Edge device with a tri band radio in it. That's 900, 1700, and 2100 megahertz. So it looks to be on the T Mobile network if uh, all looks right. Also, HSDPA 7.2 megabits per second, HSUPA 5.76 megabits per second, Wi Fi, and of course, uh, the uh, other European networks there. So if you're interested, in checking this one out. This could be a real good thing for T-Mobile uh, with their uh, their partnership with the G1, people looking to continue on with the lineage with a Samsung-style device. The HTC Magic, now available from Vodafone Spain. The uh, eight days ahead of the expected launch in the UK, Vodafone's HTC Magic is uh, now available uh, through Spain's uh, network. So check that one out if you're interested or in Spain. Uh, Calgary, or the name of the device, to be the first Motorola Android phone. We just talked about Motorola and what they're doing with Windows Mobile. Looks like this could be their first device, very similar in uh, form factor to the G1 in that it has a slide-out QWERTY keyboard. Uh, Obviously, this particular device is not, uh, you know, not real... Uh, solidified yet, but we're just looking at some early screenshots of it that the Calgary could be a Q2 device here for Motorola. Uh, so another Verizon offering, or excuse me, a uh, an Android offering this time for Verizon. Uh, Motorola's CEO confirmed that Android devices will be available for the in the Q4. San, Sanjay Jha revealed that the company will be introducing differentiated Android-based devices in time for the holiday season. The statement was made as part of the Motorola's first quarter earnings report. The company has said that it would introduce Android devices at some point, but had never set a date for devices to be on the store shelves by the holidays. They would need to ship in November. Motorola has also reported that its handset sales for the quarter of uh, were about 14.7 million, giving them 6% of the market for the cell phone market globally. The handset division did, however, lose $509 million for the quarter, uh, but this was an improvement when compared to the fourth quarter, but worse than, of course, a, a year ago. Plantronics launching the Voyager Pro Bluetooth headset, the newest noise-canceling Bluetooth headset with a, 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 a teaser webpage from the company that was launched where they displayed a close, close-cropped high-resolution photo but failed to provide any information about the handset. However, it is featuring two 3mm noise-canceling microphones, acoustic echo cancellation technology, and comes with side tone detection for noise conditions and helps users to hear uh, themselves as far as voices or as well as voices and to uh, help with less background noise. Six hours of maximum talk time and 120 hours of standby time. Plantronics launched a video demo on their website showing the durability of the handset as well as uh, including pounding the switches 200,000 times, having the ear tips withstand eight pounds of pull force, and also by adjusting the boom 20 thousand times to ensure full range of motion is available for purchase from plantronics priced at 100 dollars. now if the battery would would live to a 20,000 time or 200,000 push for the buttons i I, that would be great yeah (laughs) i i am impressed i have to i have to say my 815 i am a complete diehard on this thing it has been dropped about a million times now the thing looks awful but it works like brand freaking new mickey thing, <laughs> I, I love this thing yeah the uh was it that's the the 815 that yes. you're using and i've got the 925 plantronics make some great great headsets and those are uh those are of course available from plantronics.com or from retailers selling plantronics products also on the samsung side they are reportedly prepping the omnia pro for a july release 
Uh, very much another rumor here that we wanted to bring up and that the Samsung HD blog mentioning that the Omnia uh, HD would be released this July. Uh, obviously, a slider QWERTY, uh, which is a departure from the original Omnia, adding the QWERTY keyboard to it. Uh, 3.5-inch, 800 by 480 AMO LED display, Windows 6.1, with an upgrade to 6.5 upon its release with a 5-megapixel camera with autofocus, flash, and video recording. Uh, if you've been looking to get your Omnia HD but aren't a fan of the S60 edition touchscreen handsets, keep your eyes on this one because it looks like it's going to still be Windows. The FCC recently approved the Sony Ericsson W518A, a clamshell Walkman phone, similar to most respects, the W508A bound for AT&T's network. It is a quad-band GSM device with dual-band HSDPA on the 850 and 1900 MHz networks with GPS and Bluetooth. It has two displays, a camera, and external music controls. The draft user manual mentions a number of AT&T-specific services, including VideoShare and MediaNet has uh, also an FM radio, M2 memory card support, and features such as SenseMe. Neither Sony or AT&T have officially announced the device, so pricing and availability is unknown. Motorola introduced a new IDEN phone this week, the full QWERTY-equipped i465 Clutch. The Clutch is a semi-ruggedized offering push-to-talk, threaded SMS, and MMS messaging, as well as POP3 email support, Bluetooth 1.2, a VGA camera with video capture, using micro USB for charging and data transfer, available in the second quarter of 2009. Sprint has not said whether it will carry the device, but it is compatible with the Sprint and Boost IDEN networks. In some software news, Google makes Android's 1.5 SDK available to select developers. Uh, today, Google made, or this week, Google made the release one of the Android 1.5 software developer kit available, and the uh, ADP1 is an unlocked version, or for the unlocked version of the HTC G1, that costs approximately $400. Android's Cupcake 1.5 did arrive for T-Mobile G1s this week. Uh, this came as a uh, over-the-air update for folks that uh, were, are using the G1 device. So thanks to everybody who was posting information about getting the update and obviously seeing the ability to type uh, with an on-screen keyboard now. Uh, are you a true BlackBerry addict? Well, there's a free application that will tell you. BlackBerry owners that spend a lot of time on their BlackBerry will obviously know that they are uh, big users of the device, but this free application called the I Love BlackBerry tallies your daily, weekly, and monthly use of the phone so you'll know how just how much time that you're actually using on your device. Very, very interesting, uh, or probably scary for those that spend a significant amount of time, like myself, on their Blackberries. Well, the AT&T over-the-air Samsung Epix update was supposed to help fix problems with crashing. However, it looks to be causing freezing problems. This was a, a big miss for AT&T and, of course, Windows Mobile, uh, where they were basically... Uh, hoping to fix a number of issues with the particular device. Uh, one known as the slog dump issue. Uh, very uh, Pretty much meant that the phone would continuously crash with the pop-up message. This is a forced slog dump. After months of uh, you know messages from users, <laughs> AT&T pushed out an update uh, for this bizarre issue. Uh, and, of course, it was causing freezing problems. So AT&T has yet to resolve the slog dump error with the over-the-air update. Uh, but it did bring out uh, the fact that, um, uh, that <laughs> or they did resolve the slog dump error issue. Uh, but of course, the Epix is now freezing on a regular basis when attempting to dial out. So not exactly a perfect fix, but uh, no more slog dumping. So I guess that's pretty good. 
<laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> I, I know. I, I'm not really sure what a slog dump is, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's fixed. We've got no more of them happening. <laughs> All right. Well, Microsoft working on voice controls for the new Windows 6.5. They announced a new technology that will be available to Windows 6.5 devices later in the year using software from the Tell Me subsidiary. 6.5 users will be able to open a text message dictate the message, and send the message, all with voice commands. The same applies for calling contacts as well as Microsoft's live search to perform web searches. Microsoft says that it is uh, that the service is the first to combine voice commands and the ability to add content to text fields at the single press or at the press of a single button. Software will be free when it becomes available later this year. The Windows Marketplace for mobile is now open to developers. Microsoft officially opened the doors for the Windows Marketplace for mobile. Windows mobile um, coders will be able to use uh, Windows Live IDs, valid taxpayer IDs, or a bank account, and $99 to get a vendor account for Microsoft. Once approved, they can start submitting their applications for Windows Mobile 6.5 for inclusion in the marketplace. Similar to the App Store, each application will be reviewed and approved by Microsoft's application submission guidelines with the new Windows Mobile 6.5 handsets. The marketplace will now be open for uh, developers uh, with the exceptions of voiceover or voiceover IP application using the carrier's data. However, no word yet on whether Wi-Fi will work. No applications that replace or modify the default dialer, SMS, or MMS application. No apps that use an over-the-air downloader of over 10 megabytes. Uh, then uh, also no applications that change the default browser, search client, or media player on the device. So basically, they are taking a stance that is very similar to one that Apple has done in uh, making it a lot more uh, walled in as far as the things that you can do. When you think about the number of uh, software applications you can download for Windows Mobile, they really have all sorts of different options, and they don't have these particular restrictions on them. So I don't know, Joey, if you had any thoughts about that, but I w- as I read through this, I, I really kind of felt like they were restricting what the developers could make because this is not something uh, that we've seen before with Windows Mobile. Well, and you know what? And, and, and since you can just basically do anything you want and just release it yourself, why not? Uh, you know, why not make the marketplace very restrictive so yeah. it, you know what you're going to get. It, that makes sense to me, um, much more so than going the other way and say, well, free for all. Let's have this, you know, have any app you want that does anything in our marketplace. That's not that's not what you want. You want it to be, a, you know, a somewhat limited number of apps um, where you can actually find what you're looking for. And they're very good ones. Yeah. And, and so this is just something to... To, to keep in mind as you're you know thinking about what's going to happen with Windows Mobile, that they're going to have some, some restrictions as well, just as we have with the other application stores. Will Verizon 2 push out a new OS update for the storm? That is the question. There's a memo uh, internally floating around in Verizon that says that the new or the BlackBerry Storm 9530 will be getting an OS upgrade. Uh, the memo mentions OS 4.7.0.141. And it will be uh, going out to uh, subscribers very, very soon. Verizon expanding the Navigator service globally, they announced this week. A larger footprint of the Navigator service will include turn-by-turn directions uh, in Canada, Mexico, France, Germany, Italy, Norway, Spain, Sweden, and the UK. Initially available on the BlackBerry Storm, which can roam onto GSM networks when overseas, Verizon has said the service will become available to more handsets in more countries over time, and it will be costing $20 per month for the global version. 
The iPhone OS 3.0 Beta 4 arrived to developers this week. Apple uh, released this in conjunction with the new iTunes 8.2, which is required to activate Beta 4. System updates weren't immediately known. Nokia's Maps are now compatible with the Mac. They confirmed that the beta version of the Maps product will work with Apple's computers via the Safari browser and can be used to plan routes that are later synced over to the phone. Well, Zobni is a service that is being that is being used by multiple people on their Windows device or their Windows computers with their Outlook uh, email clients, and it's essentially a plug-in for the uh, the Outlook uh, inbo- or the Outlook personal information manager. Uh, program. I, I'm, I'm explaining Outlook like no one knows what Outlook is. <laughs> so it's a, it's a plugin for Outlook that allows people to do some very high level searching and uh, and very quick searching of who is uh, you know who they're looking for and also tying in threading almost email messages together. A very very nice plugin for Outlook. Well, it looks like BlackBerry's going to be getting this as well. There there's some pictures floating around of uh, the service coming to the BlackBerry. So keep that one uh, you know, in the back, your back pocket if you're looking for uh, a better way to search through your email on your BlackBerry. And Quicken Online, getting an iPhone companion app. If you're using the Quicken Online service, uh, the software is available through the iTunes store. You can uh, get a link here in the show notes that I'll put in here, of course. And it will allow you to enter in and manipulate data for the Quicken Online service. In some questions and comments this week, first off is a comment from Steve, and he says, you misstated the ban that Ontario is bringing in. It is not a blanket ban of cell phones in the car, Bluetooth headsets, or and any other form of hands-free solutions are still acceptable, as are GPS devices, so long as they are mounted to the dashboard or windshield. Uh, the key point of the legislation is that you can't hold the device in your hand while driving. Well, thanks, Steve, for the clarification on that. I uh, apologize for uh, uh, giving the wrong information. I think last week we mentioned that it was something that where you could not use a phone in the car at all while you were driving, but it's simply a hands-free ban. Next one here is a voicemail from Roger. Hey, Mickey and Joey, it's Roger Q from New York. Uh, just calling to say I took you up on your offer there uh, for a free two weeks of Netflix. Uh, I'm actually a Blockbuster customer, but I tried out Netflix, and i got to tell you, I'm happy with Netflix. I like the fact, a couple of differences. I like the fact that when you get a movie and they, they receive your movie, they send you an email, which is really cool. So you know exactly when they received your movie and when they're sending out a new movie to you. Blockbuster doesn't do that. Uh, the other really cool thing is with AppWorld for the BlackBerry, uh, I can now manage. It's a $2.99 app, but it's definitely worth it. You can uh, keep up with your queue and see everything that's going on right from your BlackBerry, which is really nice. And the other really cool app that I found is the new 1.5 from Facebook. Uh, Facebook app incorporates everything from Facebook right to the BlackBerry. So when I dial the cell phone junkie, and Mickey's picture comes up from Facebook, comes right up on the phone. That was really cool. But, uh, hey, love the show. Keep up the great work. Roger, thank you very much for the voicemail. Glad you're liking the Netflix free trial, and thank you very much for supporting the show by signing up for it. Uh, yeah, one thing that I don't think we mentioned, Joey, that he said was, you know, obviously getting the emails that let you know what's going on, that's a pretty nice feature that you know that they got the DVD back that you sent back to them, and then, of course, they send you one right back out that says this is the next uh, video that you're going to be getting. So 
that's pretty good. And then, of course, managing your queue from your, your device, whether it's your BlackBerry or like myself, I've got the uh, application that I use on the iPhone and uh, allows me to easily add and edit the queues that I have, and uh, that works pretty well. And then, of course, finally, the new Facebook app is great. Yeah, I can't get the application. I've got an IT policy on my BlackBerry, so I can't try it out. But I hear it's really, really good. A free download from the, uh, the uh, app world on the BlackBerry. So, I don't know. Any comments on the Netflix queue uh, manipulation? I, I think that's really nice to be able to do mobily. That is. I, I can do it through my uh, central web browser. It's it's obviously, it's a little little hacky. It's a little difficult to use, but I can do it. So, it, it, it's great to be able to have that, that option do it mobily because it never fails. You're out someplace and somebody's, oh, you got to see this movie. You know, add it right to the, the yep. either to the, to the queue or save it for when it actually comes out on DVD, which is a another great feature that i like yeah i I really it's it's not just that they're a sponsor but it really is a good service uh this is something that i had never used and once we had the sponsorship i signed up for it and uh, we've been just watching movies like crazy now and it's really great to be able to do so um you know all sorts of different levels like we say at the beginning of the show starting at 5.99 up to i think the highest is like 20 or 25 bucks and you can have like four movies at a time and I don't know what you can do with them, but you get all sorts of movies uh, and, and, and really be able to do it uh, and, and you know enjoy what you're, you're watching and know that you're getting a great value for your money. So thanks, Roger, for the voicemail to saying that you had signed up for the service. Next one here, a voicemail from Michael. Hello, this message is for the Cell Phone Junkie podcast. This is Michael from Fresno. Um, I just wanted to say you guys do a great job and... Uh, Mickey and Joey, you guys uh, do, again, an excellent job with your podcast. But I am calling you to ask you a question regarding security and cell phones. Um, I know in the, uh, a little while back in the old days, whenever uh, you talked on the cell phone, you did so at your own risk of possibly other people being able to hear, uh, hear your phone conversation through some kind of, through some type of, gadgets or, or mechanisms that would allow other people to, to hear your, your your cell phone call. And I'm wondering, I'm with T-Mobile now in California, and I'm wondering, is it secure to be able to, for example, call your your bank and give them credit card information or social security card information over your cell phone? Or are there some security risks when you uh, when you do that kind of a thing? Anyhow, keep up the great work, and I'll keep listening. Thanks. Bye. Michael, thank you very much for the voicemail. So is it safe to use your phone for calling places like your bank? I would have to say yes. We have come a long, long way. Uh, back from the days of the analog cell phone, we were we were very susceptible to being able to be have our phone calls picked up by you know something as simple as a radio scanner uh, or someone who was able to clone a phone to be able to pick up the the phone conversations from other people. And with the invention of digital and PCS phones, we've really come to a very very uh, secure uh, form of communication. Uh, some of the the particular technologies that are out there now, such as CDMA, allow for uh, a spread spectrum style uh, scrambling of the phone call. And so the transmission is almost impossible to intercept. It's not impossible, but it's it's pretty close to impossible. Um, obviously, cloning devices is very, very difficult now. In fact, it's, 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 it's nearly impossible. I, I, I have to say, you're probably very safe, if not safer on your cell phone than you are on a landline phone. 
Yeah, I would I would tend to agree. It it the level of security will be will be better on a cell phone, I believe, because the facilities themselves at the wireless towers, uh, you know, they're they're not. You don't have individual phone pairs at at that point. You know, you, you don't have a phone line where you could you know uh, you know clip on a a butt set and and listen in on the phone call uh, like you could possibly do at your home phone where somebody could you know easily go out to your you know your your D mark outside, tap on the phone line and actually listen in. Um, obviously once you get beyond that into, you know, uh, you know, central offices where the circuits are terminated, yeah, people in there could listen to your phone calls, but you know, it's going to be the same whether or not you're on your landline or on your cell phone. And I agree, Mickey, that your cell phone is going to be just as secure. And also as a note, if you do have a cordless phone at your house, do not do your banking over a cordless phone unless you know it's a spread spectrum cordless phone for that same reason. Uh, do not use a straight up analog no. uh, 900 megahertz or a 2.4 gigahertz phone. Uh, basically, I think anything that's 2.4 is going to be spread spectrum, but but there are 900 megahertz phones. And then, of course, any of the really old style phones do not use for anything uh, secure because it, yeah, you can just listen in on a scanner without any difficulty to those phone calls. So uh, that is a very good uh, question. And of course, you know, the only other secure things that you want to make sure is that you're not storing information on your device that could be compromised if your device was lost or stolen. So make sure that if you're, you know, let's say you've got your banking information on your device, like your login and PIN, yeah, that's going to be just as bad as having a call and probably you're going to be more likely to have your phone stolen and used that way. So uh, yeah, but I I would not worry about it for making calls. We are very, very secure now. Uh, in fact, we—it's it's very rare that you hear of people getting their phones, uh, you know, listened in on by. Yeah, you know. and and you'd actually have more to worry about probably people that are around you in your immediate area, you know, actually yeah. listening in uh, than you would for the actual, you know, uh, uh, eavesdropping over the technology. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Next one is a comment from Patrick. He says, Mickey, I wanted to let you know about a new service U.S. Sailor will be offering on May 1st, Battery Swap. It will offer a free battery on any of the supported phones, uh, warranty or not, at any time for any reason. Customers are allowed three swaps a month. The program is designed to increase the customer experience and show why we, uh, we being U.S. Sailor, are a customer-focused provider. I also wanted to let you know that uh, we are offering a special pricing uh, when renewing existing customers, a savings of $20 with each renewal on most phones, even the most expensive ones. So uh, check that one out if you're interested in U.S. Sailor. They've got some uh, great customer service features there. Next one's a question from Franklin. He says, is there a way to a, a wireless way to sync my tasks? I currently am using a Google Sync and the Palm 700 WX? Well, the simple answer is yes, there is a way to do it, uh, but not with using Google Sync. (laughs) You can synchronize your tasks to your Windows mobile device, such as the 700 WX, by using an Exchange server. An Exchange server will allow you to synchronize your email, contacts, calendar, and tasks over the air uh, from the Exchange account over to the device. With Google at this point, they are starting to roll out, and I'm sure that you've seen this, obviously, if you're using it for your, your contacts and calendar, their services to be synchronized over the air. What they have not yet rolled out, of course, is the Gmail support, so you cannot yet push your Gmail over to your device, or you cannot synchronize your tasks yet. 
Um, I'm not aware. In fact, I did some searching. I couldn't really find anything that looks like a, a real good wireless way to synchronize your tasks over using your Google account. So if, if someone out there knows of something that you know, we could recommend to Franklin, please let us know. But I think, unfortunately, you're out of luck at this point. And you're going to have to kind of come up with another way to figure out how to sync them. It's not going to be over the air. Question from Danny says, Mickey and Joey, a question for you. I have a friend that lives in the boonies and has no cell signal at his house. Is there a way to get a cell signal to his house through his computer? He's currently using a satellite for his internet connection and gets speeds of up to one megabits per second. And he is using AT&T wireless. Thank you, Danny. Well, uh, Danny, there are uh, there are a couple of ways that you can spread your signal out. And unfortunately, I don't think it's going to work for him. Um, Here's here's what we've got. We, these new uh, these new microcells that are getting released by the different carriers are are really what you're going to be looking for, also known as femto cells. And what they do is they take the internet connection uh, that you have coming into your house and use it as basically the pipe or the conduit to get the signal uh, that is being received from your cell phone back onto their network. So this device would be placed in your home. Your phone then communicates with the femtocell. That particular box then sends your phone call over the internet. It's a great service, and we've got products that are out right now from T-Mobile and Sprint, and I think Verizon actually as well. AT&T, however, is going to, the one that they have is called the 3G Microcell, but we have not seen a release date of this. We heard about it at CES back in January, and it's essentially a mini cell tower for your home, right? So uh, this is exactly what he would be looking for to be able to, to send that connection back out over the internet. But Joey, there's one issue with this, with the setup, and that's the satellite. Yes, the latency. Uh, I don't know if this will work. This would be something. Uh, and also, you'd mentioned T-Mobile. T-Mobile doesn't have a microcell. They're they're just doing Wi-Fi hotspot yeah. at home. Sorry, so yes. that's it, just a pure that's just pure internet connection. So you have to have a handset that can do the uh, what is it, the H UMA UMA, UMA. yep um, uh, Wi-Fi support. So. Uh, you know, the latency of the satellite, I don't, I mean, because you're, you're introducing at least a, a half second um, uh, latency, uh, you know, going and coming and froming. So having, or, you know, going, going to the satellite, then coming back from the satellite, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you can ho- hold a phone, a phone conversation with that kind of latency. And I don't know if the system will even handle that. So I, I don't, that would be a big question mark in my mind. Yeah, the only other thing that is going to be a problem too is that it it needs access to um, uh, the GPS. So, uh, GPS link is needed to verify that the device is in a location that is within the AT and T authorized service area. So, what that means is when you first get the device, you have to have it uh, in an AT and T area to be able to register it and get it on the network, and then you can then move it. But what it says is that the new location must be within the AT&T authorized service area. So I'm not sure what that means, if it means like within the U.S. or if it means within an area covered by it. I, I, I have a hard time, you know, really figuring out what that would mean. Um, but it's going to need to have a GPS link and probably in the AT&T service area when you first uh, when you first turn it on. So it may or may not be an issue. Unfortunately, I would say... If you're if you have a phone that doesn't work at your house, I would I would almost recommend just switching to a carrier that you can get service with, uh, because really the only other option is to put up 
you know, some sort of relatively expensive, as in multiple thousands of dollars, in equipment to give you a good uh, signal uh, that would uh, then give you the ability to send <laughs> send and receive your your phone calls and your data back onto the AT and T network, uh, which is going to require you know large antenna arrays on your roof and you know additional equipment inside. And I just don't think this is what you want. Um, but the three G microcell, when it comes out, could be the option uh, that he's looking for because I think it. Uh, it will hopefully work. And this does work on both uh, Edge and 3G, so it can support up to 10 3G-capable wireless phones. So pretty. Uh, if, if, it, if you can get it to work, this is probably the answer for him. Next one here is a question from Jason. He says, big fan of the podcast. Any truth to the rumor of the iPhone coming to Verizon? Well, Jason, we talked about it earlier on the show, so hopefully we got your question answered. Uh, the answer is probably yes at some point, but don't know when. 2010 could be. But I think both of us, or at least my, I'm thinking, if it is, it's going to be a CDMA version, and we may see an LTE one later, but probably not next year. So, anyway. And finally, voicemail from Mel. Hey, Mickey, this is Mel from St. Louis. Love the junkie and the junkie unlocked. Awesome. So I got a question that's to get me some data, but I think maybe some people would like a review. Um, I have a, a 8, Trio 800W, which I is sort of my primary phone, but because the Windows Mobile uh, operating system won't do all the things I want to do, I still carry a Trio 7055P, uh, and I'm after I figured out that the 800W wasn't going to do everything, I'm keeping the data on both of them up to date, looking to get a pre pretty soon after it comes out. So the question is, I never could get Outlook to work, so the 800W data is actually backed up on Sprite Backup. It's also on Dashwire and my phone, but, you know, those are not both complete. Um, and the 755P is uh, backed up on a Palm desktop, which I really love. I really only use the desktop maybe once every couple of months when I just got to, when I'm sitting at my computer, look up stuff. But for backup, it's awesome. So the real question is, how can I get all that data, contacts, uh, notes or memos, calendar, uh, into a pre, um, which way would be easier? I don't real. I have a Google, a Gmail account, and I use Google Documents, but it's not my primary thing, and I have not uh, tried to sync with Google Calendar or put all my contacts up there. I know that's one option. So if you want to maybe potentially uh, give us the options to how to get all that, all of that stuff into a pre uh, and synergy, um, I would love it. And I know you're going to probably tell me to use Google because I guess the pre is going to work with with Google and uh, et cetera. But if there's any other options, that would be marvelous. Keep up the good work. Love to listen to you and have a great evening. Mel, thanks for uh, listening. Thanks for your enthusiasm of the show. We certainly appreciate that. Um, so your question about getting your data over to the pre is, I think, pretty simple at this point. We're going to only be able to speculate because the pre is not out. We have really no idea what the options are going to be. So you have got us pegged and that we think uh, Google is probably going to be the best way to go. Uh, we, we talked about earlier in the show the, the screenshots that uh, were released this week from the Palm Pre, and, and what we have are essentially three different options that are being shown at this point as far as ways that you can get the data from one device to the other. 
Uh, simply uh, speaking, you can do Google, you can do Facebook, and you can do Microsoft Exchange, and that will allow you to uh, synchronize data. So uh, Facebook obviously being the contact information. Google, we're thinking contacts and calendar as well as uh, maybe mail. Who knows? We'll see what happens with that. And of course, Microsoft Exchange for your mail, calendar, contacts, and tasks. So I would say with you, you've got quite a setup there. You're carrying two different you know, phones. I, I, I hope that's working for you, but I can definitely see how you want to downsize and get into one. Um, hopefully you'll be able to do so with Google. I would say start taking a look at how you can export your data. Uh, there's a number of different ways you can do it, getting it from either the Sprite backup or actually I think the Palm desktop will be, allow you to export the data into a file format that you could then use to import back into Google. Uh, it's, it may take a little bit of Google searching and, and um, you know running through different options there, but I think you should be able to do it, and I think you shouldn't have too many problems with it. But um, that's, that's what I would recommend at this point. Joey, we haven't seen a device, so it's really hard to give any other, I guess, feedback. Yeah, it is. We'll, it, we'll just have to see what the software that it comes with um, provides for functionality for moving data onto it. If there's anything at all, I mean, I'm not sure if there will be. They may say, well, this is a cloud-based device. We don't want to uh, mess with, you know, actual physical syncing over a cable. Yeah, this is this is what we want to do. This is what we have, so figure it out. <laughs> I mean, cause, because on Sprint, you're forced to have a data plan with yeah. it, so there's not going to be this thing where people... Uh, say, well, I don't need a data plan. I don't want one. I don't. I don't want to back up my device over the air. I, I, I have a feeling it's just that's a, just the way it's going to be. Yeah, that's this is what we're moving to, and that's that's what we have to deal with. So anyway, uh, lots of great questions in this week, Joey. I'm 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 really Absolutely. optimistic. This was uh, this was a, a long show, but but very good. Lots of fantastic content. Lots of great questions from everybody. So keep them coming, please. Two oh six. Uh, 203-3734 or questions at the cell phone junkie.com is how you get them over to us and uh, we'll be answering them reading them playing them whatever you want so get them keep keep them coming this is great great stuff this week and um, you know we'll talk as long as we need to each week even if it is an hour and a half uh, but it's a great show I can't believe it I already went that fast so anyway Joey thank you very much for your time as always we'll talk to you later thanks for listening For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.